Hello and welcome. This is Frank Skinner. I am sitting with, I'm going to be straight, one of my heroes, Russell T. Davis. Stop it, stop it. No, no. I'm not going to stop it. <laughs> Thank uh, you. You always say that, Russell. <laughs> Every night. And you don't mean it. <laughs> um, Russell, of course, um, has written many fabulous TV dramas. I'm including Doctor Who. Yes. In that, but lots of other stuff, which we'll talk about. Thank you. But um, I, I'm always happy to bump into you, but I didn't expect to bump into you on what I would call the, the poetry book tour. Even odder, I've illustrated a poetry book. I didn't even write the poems. No. I've drawn the cartoons, which surprises me. No one's more surprised than me, Frank. Well, I thought I was a bit of a fanboy of you, but I didn't know you were a, a, an artist. That's well, a... I've kind of scribbled, and I started out, my very first job was in BBC Graphics at BBC Wales, drawing Jack and Ori-type stories and, 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 and in the Welsh language. Um, and so you I'd always... drew in the Welsh language? <laughs> That took some doing with those double L's. Um, so I did that, but then life took over and I worked in telly and then the writing took over. So it's always been there, I'm not going to say as a skill, but as a hobby. Um, I've always. So you've continued to draw? If if I had a pen in front of me now, I would just naturally be scribbling and drawing and doing oh, I have to I cover see. my school desks with stuff. Because I have a five-year-old uh, child and he... He, I was leaving the other day and he said, uh, are you going to come back? I said, I won't see you tonight, I'll be back a bit late. And he said, do you want me to do a, I'll do a quick drawing of me um, <laughs> for you, to remind you what I look like. <laughs> and I thought, at what point do we stop drawing all the time? Uh, at what point do we stop playing? I know, yeah. somewhere in those yards we tell people to stop. People say to me, why do you write? And you go, well, we all do when we're kids. We all play War and Doctor Who and Off Grand Touch and whatever. They're all stories, aren't they? And somewhere we stop that. I'd like to identify that point. I think I think the hormones stop it. I oh. think boys and girls. I do. I think you reach that age and suddenly bigger stories are much more interesting and take us away from our... Sex destroys creativity. Let's lay that out there as a theory. I think Coleridge said that as well. So, <laughs> Didn't um, say it as well as me, though. No, no. <laughs> and he said it, of course, through a haze of laudanum. Yes. Which he, always muffles the tone. drugged. Um... <laughs> So, are you one of these celebrities who can draw, who includes a little drawing in your autograph? I love that. <laughs> I do, yes. Oh, hey. you, you've seen into my soul. I'm horrified. Yeah, I, 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 Yes, I will scribble a little TARDIS, because normally an autograph is a Doctor Who autograph. Yes, of course. These days, a Queer's Folk autograph would be filthy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've all got that in our minds now. I was going to ask you to autograph my cucumber. <laughs> But that will be explained, by the way. Um, well, of course, I will be asking you to autograph my copy of Now We Are 600. Yes. Which is currently available. It is, uh, it's a beautiful little hardback as well. Yeah, it's a lovely book. I, I like that. And um, it's written by James Goss, the poetry. But as you say, you, um, you did the drawing. There is a particularly fine double-page spread... <laughs> In which you've drawn every Doctor Who companion that thus far. That was a nightmare. That was my was lost it? weekend. I call that one because I, they asked me to illustrate this book. I said, yes, of course, and there's all sorts of drawings in it, but one poem by James in there lists every single companion. Mm. Oh, my horror when that arrived on email. Uh, but actually, oh, my, oh, how much I loved it um, sitting there. Because, of course, now, how people used to draw in the old days, they'd just do a library and sit there and look up reference books. Now you just summon it all up online and you find your 
best five pictures of Vicky from 1965. <laughs> Maureen O'Brien, the actress, and what's the most iconic costume we could possibly use? I loved it. I had such a good time. Um, I mean, I've never in my life, you know I'm a Doctor Who fan, I've never in my life spent a whole two hours thinking about Vicky from 1965. When you've got to draw her, you do. You find yourself sitting there thinking about the actress and the stories and the costumes. I loved it. It was like a little bit of time travel for me. Can I say I'm slightly disappointed that you needed photo references at all for the companions? I thought you'd just know them so well. (laughs) Some of them. Rose Tyler, my ones. I didn't need to look up my ones. I knew exactly what they were. But it's funny you think you know them, but do you know how Barbara's collar works? You don't. No, you maybe not. Yeah, it's all a bit blurry, you realise. But that, surely that double-page spread of the Companions will come out as a poster. I think it should be a tea towel. Um, it's, oh, good tea towel. It's a great tea towel, isn't it? It's Actually, James Goss, uh, the author, did print it off as a tea... I've got one tea towel with all those Companions. Oh, right. And it's but prized. Got, honestly, I think the poster would be a big seller. Uh, do you think? Please do it. I could colour it. I'd love to see it in colour, actually. It's, it, these are all black and white illustrations. And if you coloured those, they'd be gorgeous. Thank you. I'm glad you, you always have it. to always have to top my ideas. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Just before you arrived, by the way, my phone went, and my phone is the TARDIS um, oh, sound. And we said, wouldn't it be great if Russell walked in immediately well, on that? Materialised. <laughs> Life is ne- never quite that simple. So I should give a little taste of the uh, of the poetry in the book. Um, um, it's based on the A.A. Milne yeah. um, when we... when we Now, now we are now six. Now we are six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which many of our listeners will know, I'm sure, um, if only via Google in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> but um, that has gone a thing. Uh, when I was one, I'd just be gone. When I was two, I two. was nearly new yes. and so on. And this it's does it with the doctors, yes. which I like. Uh, when I was eight, kissing was great. <laughs> when I was nine, I fought time. Yeah. Which Doctor Who fans will know that the eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, um, kissed his companion. First Doctor to have a snog. It was a shock. Were you shocked? I was shocked. Mm. And she was lovely. I wanted to kiss her. Grace, gorgeous, yeah. But um, I was shocked, yeah. And then, um, particularly poignant, I think, when I was nine, I fought time. Because uh, Christopher Eccleston, of course, was the ninth Doctor, scarred by the Time War. Scarred by the Time War, yeah. Because he destroyed both the Time Lords and the Daleks. We thought, until we discovered they all just um, missed each other. Turns out... um, Were you, were you in any way miffed that you'd invented this fabulous piece of Doctor Who folklore and then Stephen Moffat thought, no, I don't like it, I'm going to rewrite it? <laughs> you have to take, when you leave Doctor Who, you have to take a deep breath and think, it's all up for grabs now. It's all there to be rewritten. But not retrospectively, surely. You're very clever. Um, <laughs> it was it was interesting evening. And I love that episode. I love that episode. It was not. It, was, it wasn't so much... Oh, stop it, this is naughty. No, it wasn't so much the time I was disappearing, it was all the Daleks shooting themselves. <laughs> like, they couldn't any of them dodge that? <laughs> no Dalek, just go, whoops, out the way. The Daleks, <laughs> for all their fear and terror they strike in the universe, have always been basically a bit clumsy and incompetent. Well, that's because you have to beat them. In the fifth doc- in the five Doctors, I remember them being overturned by the first Doctor and his granddaughter. Yes. You shouldn't a, be able to do that to with, them. With a cane and a mirror, basically. It's, yeah, it's, it's like... Can I say, and I don't want to get too hardcore Doctor Who on this, but I'm, I was so impressed that you, there were two drawings of the first Doctor and one was clearly um, Richard Herndall, the man yes. who came in when William Hartnell died. Many of illustrators wouldn't have 
we're had very that specific. Eye for now. It is. It's. 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 I mean, the poems are for everyone, and and it's great to get kids reading poems and discovering more poems. It's also a very fanish book. There's stuff it in is. there for us. Yes. The elite, as we're known. It is, uh, well, <laughs> it's, um, I still regard, I know Stephen Moffey um, splits Doctor Who listen, uh, viewers into fans of the show and students of the show. Oh, that's good. So oh. I think I still hmm. don't have the confidence to call myself a student, but certainly you are. No, I think... I think we're all students. There. Students just learning. If you're a professor of the show, we wouldn't have the nerve to say that. But students, nice. Oh, okay. Students off to electrics. I'll go with that. Yeah. I should also say that there's a, a E-haw, E-haw from the donkey from Miami and has become a time war. Yes. <laughs> um, pushing it. Uh, Dr. Roo, of course. Dr. Roo. And uh, the Ephelomp has become the galley fromp. Yes. Because some Doctor Who was from... I'm not to blame for any of the puns. No, any it's. Of the I puns. loved it, and I, I, oh, I, I, yeah, and the drawings are great. I, oh. I had no idea, and oh, um, I did have fun. It's yeah. just a lovely book to hold in your hand. It's sweet, isn't it? it and it, and it, I do think kids can read it. A lot of kids, you know. I say it's fanish. Everyone's a fan now. Everyone is. They're all steeped in it. Some of the kids love more than going and exploring that fifty-year history. Yeah. Whether they love exploring the history of Harry Potter, you can't have enough Harry Potter books explaining Quidditch and stuff. So I love that. It makes students of them. Student is the word. It makes students of kids. And you're still happy to talk about Doctor Who and stuff because some people. You know, I once had. I once interviewed Ringo Starr. We got in the lift on the way to the studio, and he said. um, I'd rather you didn't go on about the Beatles. <laughs> and I thought, did, well, this is going to be a brief. Did you just send the lift back down? <laughs> or you opened your Thomas the Tank Engine book? No, I, once I got it in front of a camera, of course, I ran riots you all know, over it. You trapped him. But, um, that was the rest of my life, and I love it. It's Doctor Who. I love it, I love it, I love it. And, and you know, Lord knows, I had a good time with it, and fun. No one loves it more than me, so I'm absolutely, I will be doing these interviews in, I hope, 30 years' time, and... Happy to do so. Love it. Good. Well, um, we will always be grateful to you, of course, for... Uh, oh. If it had come back and it had been bad, it Imagine. might never have come back Imagine. again. That's why we worked so hard on it. The fear of failure was a great engine behind the success of that show. The you thought of terrified. It. That moment when Christopher Eccleston says, Ron, yeah. I w- oh. I'm it? tingling now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. March you know 2005. You know what sticks in my mind? A lot from those days, which is not a moment that people really... And it, it's when Toxic by Britney Spears suddenly kicks into the, the, the soundtrack. World. Yes. And for some reason, I felt then... Because there's always pressure if you bring something back to make it current. And yeah. it can often be done very clumsily. And I thought, you know what, this is... There's a wink with this as well. There's a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a nudge and a bit of a... You know, we, it is current, but, you know, we... We don't care. We, yeah. We're enjoying it. And you've got to be careful with that stuff, because it was current, but it wasn't absolutely current. Toxic was a few years old by then, so you weren't faking it and saying, look, that's in the charts this week. Yeah. Also, it's a great song. You can't go wrong if you're toxic in something. It's a truly great song. You know what? I agree with that. Yeah. And I don't think I realised what a good song it was until I heard it on the Doctor Who soundtrack. And the video is... I used to, at the time, I, used to, I, was, I was great... I am still a great consumer of that stuff. It's like we had adventures set in Downing Street... Because Girls Aloud did the jump video from Love Actually where they break into Downing Street. 
you remember that video? They break into Downing Street and they're walking past, they're sneaking past Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister. And I sat watching that thinking, what a great idea for a Doctor Who story. You break into Downing Street, which then became that Aliens of London story oh, where they're okay. trapped in Downing Street. There's a lot you can do. And in the toxic video, she's kind of escaping laser beams and it's quite Doctor Who-y. So at the time, you know, I was watching all these visual Marvelous. images and thinking, let's make Doctor Who look like that. So then it fits. The soundtrack really, really fits because it had been, it wasn't just slapping a song on it. Those images have been in my head right from the start. Did you um, leave Doctor Who with a lot of ideas for Doctor Who that you never got around to using? No, to be honest, no. I, I kind of would have done them all in like a year before in. I... I mean, I'm not saying I ran out of them, but a year before I knew I was leaving, my mind just moved on to other things, to, okay. to write other things. So even now, today, people say, have you got an idea for a story? I'm like, no, I haven't. No. Would it be fair to say that when you left Doctor Who, you decided... To become the sort of gay Shakespeare. <laughs> and uh, gay Shakespeare, let's call it. You know what I mean? Because then you seem to... Well, you, you seem to focus mainly on writing stuff about gay people. Yes, uh, and uh, yes. Not that you hadn't done that before, obviously. No, I, I was... No, I'm quite passionate about that. And, and, and I think, think the surface has barely been scratched. And, and, and I even did that in Doctor Who. We had Captain Jack and, and, yeah. and all sorts of gay characters as well. But um, no, I think, if anything, you know, people always say to me, do you mind being called a gay writer? I love it. I love it's what I am. Mm. And I think... I love it when when you're writing. I love it when you're writing and you feel like you, you hit this territory, you hit ground, there's no one else around. It's like being on a prairie. You think, who else is writing this stuff? And you look around, no one. That's not quite true. There are lots of other gay writers. But some, you know, you discover a story or a character or a man. You think, oh, no one else is writing this. And I love that. Those open skies and the horizon ahead of you thinking, oh, I could just run for that horizon and write brand new stuff out there. So, yeah, I love You that. see, for us heterosexuals, it's such a well-trodden path. <laughs> they're still churning out stories. <laughs> I know. Let's be I honest. I know, but, let's, but they're not so good. <laughs> they're wearing thin. That's, uh, that's why there's a great... I think 2017, 2016, there's a rush, isn't there, towards multicultural stories, multi sexual stories because actually maybe we are wearing thin and uh, we're realising with our intelligence that there are thousands of stories that haven't been told I have to mention Cucumber at this stage yes which was uh, a drama on um, Channel 4 and it, it still makes me angry Cucumber that it isn't regarded as one of the great TV dramas the people don't talk about it like I Claudius wow that's uh... I honestly me and my partner, who is probably one of the most hard-to-please television viewers on the planet, we watched it, and we used to watch it in utter silence. There was one particular episode, which was... Um, I'm not going to give anything away, because I want everyone to go away and find it, but about Lance, yes, where we six. didn't even speak through, during the commercial breaks. Wow. We were wow. so... Um, this is an odd question. Why? Why isn't it... Why isn't everyone still talking about how brilliant it was? Uh, thank you for that. And, and of course, I did win a BAFTA for writing it, but, but still the viewing figures were, were tiny and suffered. And, and it's not... You've, you've been very nice to, my, to me before about Cucumber, and I, and I love you for that, because it feels... It genuinely feels wounded and, and like a failure to me. And you once very, very kindly said to me, don't feel like that about it, that, 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 that some people respected I, it. And I think it. you can be misled by criticism at times yes. and forget... Trust me, if you have any value in... You know, know me well, but if you have any trust in my opinion at all, you wrote something incredibly special in Cucumber. If you, if you quit tomorrow, 
I mean, I think I said to you that that Lance episode was the best hour of drama I'd ever watched, and I, and I was including your Doctor Who's, which is <laughs> no, I, upset I mean, me. I, I love it. No one, no one loves Cucumber more than me, and um, I think there was. Is there something so honest about it? It drove people away. It's unflinchingly honest it, in a way that is not comfortable. Yeah, I'm not recommending it to our younger viewers. No, and even... Uh, because it's a grown-up drama. Maybe on a Tuesday night, you want to have a cup of tea and you want to watch a detective solve a crime. Oh, know, come on. They love, write, they love a bit of... Uh, you know, watch people getting killed every five minutes. Yes, it's... I, I, I wish I knew. If I knew what had gone wrong, I corrected somehow. But I'm Nothing still very proud wrong. of it. Thank Nothing you. went wrong, well, is, is the answer. It's really good to hear. Thank you. The, the question... I have. Oh, is it be, I heard it was being remade for America. Is that true? There's a version sitting there on a, on a day. development. You know what that's like. Okay. It might happen. Might happen. Um, it's called adult behaviour or something. Um, yeah. It's kind a, of leaving them to it. It gives them a bit more of an inkling of what they're going to get. Yes. I suppose. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I have. There's a question I feel I've got to ask you, and it's it's the Jodie Whittaker oh, question. Yes. What do you think? How exciting! How excited are you? It's great. I was. I'm on this book tour for this for this Doctor Who book. So last night, 200 fans, and no one in any doubt about it. I'm really tired of the objections being. You know, when when a journalist does an article, they'll start it by saying Twitter is an uproar over the casting of a female Doctor, and um, and it's outrageous to me that actually you meet these fans and they're very very happy that this is happening. They're completely happy and excited about next year. And it gets misreported. Maybe 10 people online under 50 different aliases are spouting up saying you've ruined the programme. Ten people. And it's all that gets reported. And I think it's a real, real... Do you think they're, they're all Ian Levine? <laughs> I couldn't name names. So, no, we, no, we have got into hardcore Doctor <laughs> Who stuff. Are you excited? <clears throat> I am a mixture of excited and afraid, like I am with every Doctor yes, that's, that's, that's mentioned. Way, because I have the old man's malady that I think it'll be bad and the BBC will decommission it. Yes, we're, that's bred into us as fans. Which is it? ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I think, think you know, I think they know that on the team. They're not Daft Chris Chibnall. They, they, they know they've got all of this riding on their reputations, on Jodie Whittaker's reputation. It was like that in 2005 when you had Chris Eccleston and Billy Piper. It's like if this fails, not only Doctor Who will go down the pan. It'll affect Chris. It'll affect Billy. It'll affect my career. When you've got that devil on your back, it's a great impetus to work well. Mm. And, to work very, and they'll have that again here. That will the, these doubts and these fears, just no matter how confident they are, will be chasing them. That will make it brilliant. And I assume that she's going to be northern. I've no idea. Don't ask me. I'm no. I've never met her. I've never even met her. You, um, um, you, 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 bro- you broke the mould of these sort of posh yeah. and Scottish Doctor Who's and, <laughs> and made Chris Eccleston a Northern Doctor Who, which I loved you for. As he said, every planet has a North. Exactly. And uh, I'm guessing that she'll uh, she'll I do that. It's kind. Of, I bet they're having those discussions in Cardiff Bay right now. I yes, wonder. with Bradley Walsh sitting at a table in I a uh, with a. You can go back. I'm you guessing can, a mother you're, of pearl. You're alive in the Doctor Who world. I am. I am alive. Are you emailing it's, them? It's official. <laughs> oh, I have, I have emailed Chris Chibnall a couple of times. <laughs> um, just, you know, just to say hello. <laughs> begging, begging. Um, you're, you're working on, um, I'm going to call it more gay stuff. That sounds dismissive. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a fair summary. Don't worry, yes. You're doing um, a thing called The Boys. Uh, maybe. That's not commissioned. That's a script. It's hard work, that one. It's about the age crisis in uh, the 80s. It's taken a while to get right. There's a million ways you could tell that story, and I haven't found the right way yet. So it's, it's in, in development, the wrong word, because that sounds... Um, that sounds too formal. It's, it's, it's gestating. That's the word, I think. So um, it's, yeah. I tell you what, 
surprises. You know, you're, you're talking about this open desert of unwritten stories. That mm. seems to be... That would be like a pyramid-sized obvious thing. To yes. I don't, I'm not it's... dismissing your inventiveness, <laughs> but why no. isn't there already? I, 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 when I started, I kind of felt that I was racing to get there before someone else did. And... Um, Surprisingly, no one snapped up the script yet, which I've got to accept, and got to say that, that therefore that script needs work. It's kind of tricky. It's, 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 you're telling the story of a whole decade. You're telling the story of a whole race, actually. Mm. <laughs> you're telling a massacre. Um, there's many ways to tell that. Obviously, I haven't found the right way yet. There was a film, I think, in the 80s, late 80s, an American film about oh. AIDS, and I went to see with my girlfriend at the time, whose brother was gay, and I remember her sobbing in the car after with fear. Was that an early frost? Maybe. A man who comes home and Maybe, tells his yeah. parents he's got... It's a great film. It's a great, great, great film. Um, in the meantime, though, I'm still doing the gays. I'm doing Jeremy Thorpe. <laughs> still with the gays, Russell T. Davis. <laughs> Jeremy Thorpe, now what a, what a name from my youth. I have been dying to write this story for years and years and years, and a very brilliant journalist called uh, John Preston wrote a book about it called A Very English Scandal and we got the rights to the book and that's being adapted now and that starts filming in October and I'm very excited very very excited I should say to our um, uninitiated yeah. um, listeners that um, Jeremy Thorpe was the leader of the Liberal Party yeah. and um the, the, what the story broke that he um, a man had had his dog shot. He'd hired a hitman, it seemed, to threaten a man who'd had an affair with him to keep it quiet. Yes, a man who. That, can I say, whenever he was announced on the news, the other man, he was called Norman Scott, and they didn't like using words like gay or even homosexual there. Yeah. So he was always described as a little hint as former male model former Norman male Scott. Model Norman Scott. <laughs> Played by Ben Whishaw in this. It's very oh, exciting. Yeah, really? yeah. It's properly exciting. Um, so he went and threatened him and, and shot well, the hitman shot his dog as a court with charged with incitement to murder, um and Jeremy Thorpe was actually found not guilty. Mm. Uh which was kind of an establishment scandal of the t- at the time because um Genuinely, a hitman was there with a guy. The, the, mm. It was said that the hitman was there to kill Norman Scott and killed. I personally, I, I think he killed the dog first because the dog was a great Dane. Do you realize right. that? I was thought no. it was a terrier. It's like the more. Oh, it wasn't as good a shot as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it was a wiser shot because if I was killing a man who's got a great Dane, I'd kill the dog first in case it went for him. Oh, yeah. See, it's always thought of as a mistake that the dog was shot. I'm not so sure. I'd kill the dog. I like to think that he was going to shoot Norman Scott and the dog leapt in front and oh, took a dog. bullet for him. You romantic. <laughs> <laughs> and also you say this. You sit watching Marley and me laughing. <laughs> it's, um, do you hope with... Um, what, what I'm now casually referring to as your gay stuff. Do, <laughs> I, do, I, do you hope to change the world? Is it for gay people to say this is my life, it's great to see it on screen. Is it for people like me mm. and maybe people a bit more a bit more narrow-minded than me to think, you know what, this is... I've had wrong views about all this. I think that was the case of Queer as Folk. Um, now I think they're just stories that I naturally tell because I'm gay and I'm a gay writer and I love writing gay stories and so, like any drama, no straight writer has to sit and worry about that. Um, could I write a gay drama? Yes, of course. Would that be acceptable? Well, I'd write a straight drama. I'd sit and write Wuthering Heights. I'd sit and write Romeo and Juliet. Gladly. Seriously. 
Okay. Um, yeah. I'm like, going to use that as my uh, imprimatur. That if anyone asks me, I'll say, Russell T. Davies said it was all right. <laughs> Can I read it? I must say, this is um, completely sincere. When I was a kid, I watched a, an ITV drama called The Naked Civil Servant. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be straight with you, with a capital S. I was casually homophobic, certainly at that time. In the 1970s in yeah. the Birmingham, I mean, I hadn't even questioned that. Um, and it really did change. It changed me. Yeah. In fact, I, when I met John Hurt, before I mentioned Doctor Who, the fact that he was in Doctor Who, I mentioned the yeah. Naked Civil, and he said, "I still get people saying this to me." Absolutely. And very rarely does TV really change you like that. But it, it was—it made this gay character who looked in many ways sort of foppish and ridiculous, a mm. heroic, and above all, witty, mm. funny yeah. character, much funnier than all the, the guys who were threatening him and stuff. And that's what really won me over. And it was amazing how he was a dog, because I was in school when that was transmitted. So me it too. About, it must have been about... Well, I can't think how old, but... And kids loved him. Kids loved Quentin Crisp. There was a story about Quentin Crisp uh, walking down the street in all his finery and foppery with his cane. Mm. And a man stood in front of him and said, you fairy. And he lifted up the cane and went, disappear. <laughs> <laughs> And we should tell that story. I couldn't have been in school if you were in school, could I now? Unless I was a caretaker. (laughs) Or just hanging around (laughs) the premises. Take that back. (laughs) But it was was the fact that I'm I'm in a great big Welsh Swansea comprehensive school. It's a tough old school, man. The fact that kids were sitting there swapping Quentin Crisp anecdotes seems impossible now, but we did. No, I went to see him live off Broadway probably oh. 30 years later because of that. It's yes. li- it really, TV can change the and world. And that piece of television was made by Verity Lambert, who produced Doctor Who, the very first Doctor Who. Yeah, and do you know who wrote it? Um, the grandfather of Pearl Mackey, yeah. Philip Mackey. Yes. Philip Mackey. Amazing. It's, it's dripping with Doctor Who. And the war down. doctor yes. as, as Quentin Crisp. Doctor it's, Who was behind everything. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um well, yeah, it, so it, it can change the world. I look forward very much to the very English scandal because it was a, it was a pretty amazing thing. Can I say uh, as well, if anyone um, l- fancies themselves as a writer, I think they should read The Writer's Tale, which is your Thank book you. yes. about writing Doctor Who. And it's, it paints you as a slightly mad, crazed, <laughs> tortured soul. But hey, yes, it's a good book. Who isn't? And if anyone wrote how they feel at two o'clock in the morning, we'd all come across as mad, tortured souls. But actually, it's, if you are interested in writing, there's a lot of writing books that are all technical and they divide plots into ABC and subplots and main plots and, and character arcs, which isn't my experience of writing at all. Writing is a job. It's a job under pressure. So this book is me actually writing, actually at two in the morning with a budget and a deadline. It's the real job. And it's me moaning and but getting on with it. And actually, and actually there's a lot of fun in the book as well. So it's, it's, it's how writing really is. It makes me feel of... better about my own writing because there's ones when you've got like a, an episode of Torchwood that's got to be done so you go clubbing. Yes. <laughs> There is that, yes. And, and I, smoking. I, yes. I, I really like that element of it. it I, I, so I would certainly recommend that. Um, I, th- I think our time is up. It's so good to see you. Oh, thank and, uh, you. And again, the book is called Now We Are 600, uh, a collection of Time Lord verse. And it's available now in its pretty little, slightly sepia-tinted yeah. hardback. Gorgeous. Which I like a lot. Russell, um, I love you. Continue to write brilliant stuff, please. Thank you. I will, I promise.